Hey guys, we're here with Chad Rawlings from Superior AV, and on this episode of the podcast, you're going to hear why people wax coat guitar strings and how that actually became a thing, why company culture is so important, and why it's important for your employees to understand the company values that you set in front of them. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Liz, and you're listening to the South CAC Syndicate Podcast. Good day. Good Friday. Not well, technically good Friday. Yeah, that's true. It's almost. a good Friday. Hey, we're almost there. It's a good Friday. Yeah, we are. Almost opening day for the Cardinals was yesterday. What? You talking sports? Come on now. Uh, it's St. Louis. Oh. <laughs> that, that's about all I can talk. And then somebody has to tell me what's going what, on. Or if it's they have to tell you what to not. say. Yeah. I know that our, I believe spring training was like 1 to 24. This feels awkward. It was, it was tough. So I don't know if that's going to let us into any part of knowing what the season's actually going to be. But good luck to St. Louis Cardinals. I am Jared, along with my lovely co-host, Kyle Voss. Today we've got Mr. Chad Rawlings from Superior Sound and Consulting, DBA, Superior AV. There you go. I got that. Did I get <laughs> nice. that right, Chad? You nailed it. God. One time. Yeah, I know. It's a good thing. Good? It's a good thing. You're, it's all you're thinking about the whole time, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it One was. and done. Nailed it. That's right. And so uh, we have both known Chad for a long time. I, I, I may have met you before Kyle that oh, yeah, long, got introduced long before, to you. Long before me. So today's podcast is going to be based around um, music, consulting, um, sound, running sound for venues, professional acts, startups, etc. Yeah. Well, Just I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about your challenges in your business ventures that can kind of translate mm-hmm. through, you know, whatever kind of business you're running. That's right. That's right. So... Chad, tell us a little bit about how you got your start. I, I met you when you were running a music store 12 years ago. Is that sound, that time, Ron? Sound right? uh, I think it may have even been before that. Okay. okay. So if I go time. all the way back, I, I kind of jumped ship, changed careers, uh, 1999, 2000. I opened up uh, the Musician's Den in November of 2001. Oh, wow. November that was yeah. gut, that was gutsy, so but gut- you know Christmas season was oh, there, yeah. so banking yeah. on that, and um, yeah, and and ran that until 2013. So, what's the primary source of revenue in a, in a music store? Is it selling instruments? It is it, but in the modern music store, it's it's not just instruments. It's not just product. Uh, you really have to have a full scope. So we offered lessons, obviously, um, and at any given time, of course, we had guitar, we had bass. Uh, we had violin, viola, we had drums. Right. So we tried to round that out. We really didn't do woodwinds and brass, but now is there is there a rental aspect to that too? There or? is for most music stores that want to build their business around the local schools and right. the rental business that that show up with that. That wasn't really my focus. I really wanted to stay more with uh, um, non band. Um, right. You know, I got students, you. you know, customers, uh, instruments, that kind of thing. More, you wanted real band, not school band. Jared, I did not <laughs> say that. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll just say that maybe it was uh, slightly steered towards my interests more than understand. Yeah, hey, that's all of us, yeah. right? We all do that. Yeah, we'll yeah. provide services that we want to provide. Yeah, you yeah, probably yeah. had like like really rare guitars and stuff that maybe the the stores that catered to the schools may not have carried 
just because of the overhead of inventory or something, probably right. That is, that is true, and and also I, there's such a there's such an incredible just body of musicians, especially in Appalachia, especially where we live. Everyone thinks bluegrass. It's not just bluegrass. I mean, literally, they're just incredible singers and, and players yeah. around this area. A lot of that's because we didn't have nothing to do. I mean, that was probably your, <laughs> right? You just wanted to drink beer and play guitar, so you're like, hey, yeah. let me getting, figure out how to play this thing. Getting bored at a bonfire, it's like, that thing's got to make some decent noise. Yeah, you know? we either got to burn it or play it. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's right, and if you burn it, then you had to come see me. Yep. Yeah, that's right, or if you were bad, somebody burn it for you and move <laughs> on and hand somebody else or something. But um, there's a lot of, I've always bought... Uh, Elixirs. You'd sold elixirs and turned me on to that. Um, I don't, I'm not going to call it new tech, but I guess it's the first company that wax covered strings. At that time, that was definitely new. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it was actually from a company that didn't even make strings. What? Gore that makes Gore-Tex for your boots developed that coating. Stop. Uh, that's no joke. And they, they actually bought strings from whoever would sell strings to them the cheapest. And the Dario, they- GHS... Ernie Ball, anybody. Interesting. Yeah, and then they would coat them, package them, and sell them. Put their coating on them. So and that's a, how that got started. Well, I that, didn't know that. Yeah, that was actually good. Are they still around? Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're what? still. I mean, they're, they're still. If, if I'm in if, if I'm in a store or something, I'm still looking for those. What's the advantage in a coated string? <laughs> you can probably answer that better than I could. For me, it was the ease of play. And it, it, it didn't tear your fingers up as much. Yeah, or something. it had a. I call it a wax coating or whatever type, mm-hmm. whatever they call it, and it was. It just kept your physical skin off metal. Now you'd wear through it. The wax would would wear depending on how much you were wearing up and down the neck. But it was it was a night and day difference when I hooked up those for the very first time. Yeah, I never I never looked back. That was the only string I ran. Yeah, for years. I mean, the funny thing is, is all the you know the smart people who do advertising for somebody you know for a company like that is they last longer, right? Mm-hmm. What what we all found out is they also don't squeak when you, <laughs> oh, when, you, when you change right. cords and that kind that's of stuff. Right. That's right. And your fingers your, your fingers can can last a little, a little bit, bit longer. longer. That's, that's right. right. So yeah. now have other companies picked that up. Oh yeah, so they're all doing it now, I guess, or pretty some much. version of it. Some version, that's right. And the good thing was, is the t- you know one of the main companies, uh, Daddario or Diadario, as some, some the locals call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know they actually just developed the better way to do it, and then Gore copied it, and so like they you know peed on Gore's parade, and then Gore peed on everybody else's parade because they were like, oh yeah. Where, yeah, you, this is how you do it. Like they did it, but we're going to do it with our coding, and it's phenomenal. It's well, been who, great ever since. Why wouldn't somebody put like an IP to that? Well, I'm sure they do, right? Or they a have, utility patent. Yeah, you know? on the coding itself, I'm sure they have that. Or on, down. or on the process, you know. Yeah, I'm sure it seems they do. Like Diadario could have. I mean, they are a name brand for sure. Right? They've made strings longer than anybody else, and make more strings for other companies. Than anybody else, mm. I'm sure they make what like piano strings. They do it all. Yeah, people oh, yeah. are picky about their strings. Like certain musicians will only, or they're sponsored by, right? Yeah, like, I will only use Martins XXLs, or I will only use Elixirs. Well, it's funny you mentioned Martin because that's a family company, right? right. Family-owned company. Well, Daddario is also, and it's the same family for like a hundred and I don't know, 120, 130 years, and they've been in metals forever, and they make metal parts, metal metal things for all sorts of stuff and it was one i don't know son daughter it was somebody in the past said hey instrument strings 
We could do that. There, yeah, it's a, it's a consumable <laughs> item, first of all. Right, right? that's yeah. what you want in business. If yeah. you can find a good consumable item, no doubt. Guitar and, strings are one. Yeah. And to go totally into Nerdville, if you don't mind, is every you know John Pierce strings in the seventies, eighties. It was like, oh, these are the best. This is great, and they were. All John Pierce did was buy Daddario cores and windings. He he developed a way to instead of um, have a a variable voltage machine, a direct voltage, so the winding was constant. There was no no speed up, slow down as it did it. So he actually invented that machine, and then Dario bought the patent from him, and they worked together. And so if you ever bought John Pierce sp- strings, that? that technology is what? They were the exact same as Dario's because they shared the winding machine that didn't pulse with the alternating current from the from the wall. Gotcha. That's nerd. Isn't stuff that crazy? Right That's awesome. That's awesome. So you also have a, a small following of custom jobs, right, for guitar works, whether it's touring musicians, close relatives, friends, something like that. Tell us how you got started in that. Was that just passion turned into, yeah, I can do that, and then you just started changing out pickups for guys or anything like that, or did you have a plan? It wasn't like that at all. There was no plan. Basically, um, I traveled a little bit and played um, over you know a few states uh, when I was young, and when things would break, I had one guy that I would take things to, and he was kind of a staple in this area with pro musicians. Um, and so he would fix my stuff. And every time I'd go and he would fix something, my amp or you know, guitar or whatever, he would talk to me in this language I did not understand. And he would tell me about intonation or he would tell me about capacitors and resistors. And I had no idea what he was talking You're about. Like, I need to figure out what he's talking about. And so, yes, being me, I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a book. I'm going to figure out what, because <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what he's saying. And so I did. And those turned into conversations. And one day he basically turned around and said, you are the only person who knows what I'm talking about when I tell him these things. You need to be able to do this. And he took me under his wing for about three years. That's everything cool. from, you know, the basic stuff with guitars, basic electric, uh, you know, electronics and guitars, um, basic electronics in amplifiers, setups, bone nuts and saddles, the whole works, and was like, you need to learn how to do it. I've always been handy, caught on pretty quick, and uh, that's out, how it happened. Worked out well for you. <laughs> right and then and then you meet some people who you know when i was no longer traveling and playing music needed some work mm-hmm. and uh this fellow did not have time to do it and he would call me and say hey i got some things if you want to do it yeah and, I, and that okay. kind of migrated migrated to the to the music store when i graduated 90 whatever it was <laughs> six nine <laughs> <No>. <laughs> My graduation present was a, a higher-end Takamini acoustic electric guitar. And I had picked it out, and at that time, it was probably the price tag started with a two. And uh, that was a lot of money for my parents at that time. But they, they made a deal if I could graduate. And you didn't pawn it. <laughs> yeah, they would uh, buy me this guitar. And so they did. It was my first real guitar, and uh, it was super nice. And then I went to pick it up one day. And, man, my electro- electronics went out. And I did a whole bunch of research. Couldn't find the parts. Not that I would know what to do with them anyway. Called Chad. Chad, can you fix it? Bring it in. We'll take a look at it. Yeah. 
if I remember right, you had a hard time finding the parts as well. The, the, the actual factory component discontinued that model, so we couldn't get the exact replacement, but it needed, it was completely fried. And uh, But ended up picking it up with another Takamine unit in there, and I still have the guitar, and it plays like a dream to this day. It's probably one of my favorites. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, that was a full retrofit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Takamine rep was like, I'm not sure you can do that. I said, well, we'll figure I'm going to give gonna, it a try. We'll see try. What, what we can do. And then I've been doing business with Chad before that, during that, and bought a Breed Love, which was, if I'm not mistaken, two brothers got together and started a guitar company. Is that is that correct? Yeah, actually, Bob Taylor's uh, two first luthiers that he hired and trained when he was working basically out of a workshop behind his house uh, was Larry and Kim Breedlove. And um, they worked for Bob forever, and when they decided they wanted to... Kim's a real creative... Uh, he's just a visionary uh, and great ear. And Larry is the technical guy. He's the guy who can just build anything you want, you know? Mm-hmm. They went to Bob and said, hey, we want to we want to strike out on our own, and it's been great, and thank you so much, and we're going to Oregon, and blah, blah, blah. And Bob Taylor financed them, outfitted them, that ta- helped them get Taylor, started. Bob Taylor's Taylor Guitars? Bob Taylor Guitars, okay. yeah. And uh, outfit them, outfitted them, actually helped them build a machine that would do something, whatever, that, uh, that they needed done, and uh, said, it's been great. And Larry actually bounces back and forth or bounced back and forth between Breedlove and Taylor even during that time. Is Breedlove still an existing company today? They are. Uh, Tom Bedell, who was the heir to the Shakespeare Fishing Lure uh, company, um, uh, loved guitars and built one when he was in grade school or high school or whatever. I'm not sure. Anyway, when he basically had the windfall of the family business, he sold it and he bought Breedlove. Oh, so he runs that's it now. cool. And his and his name is Tom Bedell. I was wondering how fishing lures got into the guitar world. That, that's how, that's how it happened, right there. That's so, crazy. So you said a, a two luthiers, right? Luthier is like a master carpenter that builds guitars. That's, yeah. Like that's the term. Yes, luthier. Yeah, I don't and know I, why. And I didn't draw that because I draw that distinction because people call me a luthier and I'm not. So I'm a highly qualified technician. Mm-hmm. And I'm certified and been through training with manufacturers and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I don't cut down a tree and make the- and build an instrument <laughs> from scratch. Yeah. Okay? I don't do that. And a luthier can but basically take- No. I bet you could. Like if I- How about we make one out of carbon fiber? Could we do that? Yes. That'd be awesome. Yes. yes. I think some, somebody's I actually, actually done that. Yeah, rain oh, It's, it's yeah. been done. But I, you know, like I would see those. I'd be like, that'd be so cool to do. But I wouldn't know- the first thing about trying to connect the neck to the body and all that stuff. That's just one long bolt. No, I can, yeah, I can do all that stuff. Yeah. But uh, cutting down that carbon fiber tree might be. I mean, I got a roll of it at the Where house. Where do those yeah. grow? <laughs> one, We're going to go to the carbon fiber farm. One of the things you said I don't want to kind of pass over that I think is very interesting is how Taylor helped somebody else start another business that basically is in direct competition uh, with himself, right? And I think that actually happens a lot more than people realize. You just never hear of it or see it. Uh, I was actually watching a video the day of a guy who builds engines. And he was telling a story and he was talking about how, you know, all these people that he worked for in the past basically helped him get to the next level. You know, even though they knew he was going to directly compete yeah. with what they were doing, you know, they were generous enough to be like, yeah, let me help you out. Let me get you in this. You know, you can come work out of my space for a while, whatever. 
I think there's two aspects of that. One is we always say competition breeds revenue. Okay, it just makes me better if I'm going to help somebody do in the same industry, right? And we've seen it in stuff we've done here in Wahala. The other side of that is as a mentor, you have a responsibility. Like if people would work for us in, in the corporate world and they wanted to leave, I'm not mad they're going to leave as long as they're not, you know, upset that something we did. Let me help you on your next journey. You're yeah. a great employee. Why wouldn't I? help you on whatever your next venture is going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, so. you know, and people, there's reasons people leave, and and that's because they have different ideas, usually. Mm-hmm. Well, good good for Tom. I, I'm, I battle uh, being a serial entrepreneur. If I had unlimited funds, I probably would have started dozens of businesses by now. But what I, what I found with, with people who are visionaries and who are entrepreneurs they tend to focus on different things. A lot of people who go, I shouldn't say a lot of people, I can't, I don't, I'm not qualified to say that, but I know people who've gone into business with the focus of making money, which is not a bad focus, but is it the primary focus? You know, is making money going to be the, the passion that drives you into something right. great? And the people who do are, are the actual visionaries generally are not scared of competition because they're focused on something else. Something that hasn't done. And I've spent a lot of time with with Bob Taylor when I've been out there doing training and that kind of stuff. And his whole goal, whether you like his guitars or not, is to advance guitar building. Mm -hmm. That's it. So when Larry and Kim came to him with new ideas and fresh ideas that weren't his, he said, that's awesome. Yeah. Do that. Let me help you. And and in the corporate world, I find that, that 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 happens too. It's... There are other goals, other fixations than just the money part. And it really is, I'm going to do something great. I'm going to leave a legacy. Uh, I'm going to help people rise up who are smarter than me, better than me, more skilled than me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get to watch this happen. And the excitement happens when there is the new idea, when there is the new thrust, yeah. when there is the new thing. And it's easy to get behind those, because the, uh, it's not about a, it's not about ego at that yeah. point. Yeah. And those companies generally are the most successful in the end because they're doing it for the right reasons, right? I think Absolutely. of like I think of Elon. I don't think money ever was in Elon's brain. He's like, "No, I got these ideas of I'm, you know, we're going to send these rockets to wherever and they're going to land themselves and all these ideas that he had then turn into they made him a bunch of money." Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It wasn't like I think we can start an electric car company and make a ton of money because he'll tell you the worst thing to do is start trying to build cars. It's you know it, it's not a revenue based business, especially when you're trying to compete with the big four or whatever. No, but to, he he makes everything open book, open source. If you can yeah. make a better Tesla, I want you to do that. Yeah. Like he is, I think he's not for the industry; he's for tech growth. Like yeah, if just you can grow, do it better. It, I will learn something as well. Yeah, it plays exactly what you're saying. Is he had a passion to change the way things were done. Yeah, not his, necessarily his, make a bunch of money. His whole thing was, if a person can do it better, a person should do it better. Building a mm-hmm. guitar. Mm-hmm. If a machine can do it better, then we should build a machine that does that better. Mm-hmm. And the the cool thing you you said, uh, Elon Musk has this open book policy. I didn't know that. And this is I'm not trying to talk about Bob Taylor this much, but uh, one of his, the coolest things with him is as soon as he opened his first big facility, as in you know world class guitar. Sell, you know, and the sales did go all over the world. Um, he had an open door policy to every guitar builder in the world. You want to come? I'll walk you personally through everything we do, how we do it, 
why we do it, everything. Literally, his whole goal was to to make guitar building better inspire, for everybody. Inspire somebody else. To- it's the same thing that we've taught. People have come to us since we started a podcast. And look, when we started, we didn't know what we were doing. We're, we're still, we still learning. don't know what we're doing. We don't but know. people are like, hey, can you help me start a podcast? Well, I'll tell you what we learned. I don't mind if that, I don't mind if there's another podcast. Yeah. We're only one of 16 billion already. Yeah. But let's help help each other along the way, man. If everybody would do that and stop worried about who gets credit for what, we'd be such a better society. Well, and the thing with us, too, is it wasn't about trying to be a podcast that competed or make money or nothing. We were like, you know what? There's a void here of mm-hmm. of local podcasts talking about local businesses. And that was kind of our North Star. Is like, you know, we're going to try to, you know, bring South Carolina and to light. And then also we can learn from these folks that we bring in. And other people that may listen can also learn from these folks as well. Mm-hmm. That was our goal. That was it. Well, uh, all I can tell you is I've been listening to them nonstop. I appreciate That's it. Awesome. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Um, so we talk about guitar advancement and Bob Taylor. He, he, let's just keep advancing the industry. It's almost, to me, it's almost like songwriting. There's only three chords of so much truth you can spill out before it turns into country music became hip hop. At some point, are we going to see guitars become something else? Is there a lot more growth? And I'm not talking about the electronics or the, you know, the techno side of that. I'm talking about the actual product itself. Like cars have four wheels, a motor, and it goes this way and this way. You know, unless they build one that just plays itself. Um, yeah. You know, saw, I think that's saw it. this the other day. Some one of these computer dudes, right, had two uh, necks and two pickups, and then he had robot hands. And programmed each hand, and then up top, he had programmed tuners. He'd programmed a, a robotic arm to hit the snare, and so he does each instrument, and then hits play, and it just like a full band, and it's just programmed playing on real instruments. I call it like almost yeah. AI, right? Let me ask you this: as a non-musician, both of you guys are sitting here. Is what you hear come out of a guitar that makes it in quotes good? Is that can some of that be different from person to person or is there only like one way to tell if it's a, if it's a great sound or not? Well, you're shaking your head. No, no. I mean, you know, is, is there only one shoe for everybody? No, no. Right. Everybody has their own preference, right? Their own style. And, and, you know, having the music store for basically 13 years, um, what I, my whole mindset changed. In, in a lot of ways from the way I was raised. And, you know, having a more objective view, when when an instrument inspires someone to play, it really doesn't matter what it sounds like. It's that inspiration that's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. my, my favorite band of all time is Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. He didn't sing that that well. He didn't look that great. No, none of them, <laughs> none of them were, were just like the world-class musicians. But together, they did something really special yeah, to, own, for me, you yeah. know? And, and, and that's the way it is with an instrument. If, if Jared picked up a guitar that I may not love the sound of, but he wrote a song right there on the spot because, the, you know, it inspired him, that's the right one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree that, like, the voice and the guitar, too, sometimes need to go together? You know, no. like, if No. No, I think Tom Morello can't. He's even though the Night Watchmen is out there as an acoustic thing that he's doing now. For me, he's one of the most talented guitar players ever. I, it was the first guy I saw do it over and under. But he's very he, he lies a lot on the floor. 
and his technology that makes his sound, but he's not a, a singer when he's with Rage or Audio Slave. It's a player. Yeah. Frank Zappa, I watched an interview with him a long time ago, and he's like, somebody asked him, what makes you different than the other guitar players? He's like, well, I've got all the respect in the world for guys like Slash and Tom. And He said, but they play the same solo every night for the same song over and over. They think they've thought it up, they've rehearsed it, and that's what you hear. And you know it almost note by note. When I'm on stage, it is a new solo every single time. There is no he repetition. Just, he you just will not wings hear. it. It, he feels the audience. The audience feeds him yeah. where his fingers go for that solo. And I did not know that about him, and I thought it was super cool because he's absolutely right. I mean, I guess my point is, and when I say it, does it need to match the guitar, is like if you have like a loose or raspy guitar, I don't know if these terms are proper because I don't know what I'm talking about. But And then you also have a voice that is very much the same, right? It works, whereas if you had like a really – loose or raspy voice and then you have like a really polished guitar sound well sure to me those two wouldn't seem like they would go together so you're talking like a producer here i, I mean no all yeah. no really i mean like you you realize some things that maybe the the vast majority of people don't the thing is is that there's different ways to listen right there there's you listen one way <clears throat> excuse me when you're a player you listen another way when you're a band member or a producer or a studio engineer. Absolutely. You listen yet another way when you're a front of house engineer on a tour with a big PA system and a lot of people there. So it, it, it all changes. So the, that's why from your question, does one, could one guitar fit all is kind of what I took from you. Um, no, hey, no, yeah, no, because it, it all has to do with what it does to, for the player first. Mm-hmm. If it if it, if it isn't good for the player for whatever their reasons are, then it's not good. Gotcha. It's hard to fix that at front of house with a lot of buttons and faders and knobs. If someone's totally uninspired on yeah. stage, at the you know? same time, there wouldn't be no or there'd be no Mick Jagger without you know Keith Richards. There'd yeah. no, be no Jimmy Page without Robert Plant. Like you, sometimes if you took e- either one of those and reverse the roles. We wouldn't have good roles. I mean, Robert songs. Plant was by good. himself though for a while, right? I mean, so yeah. but yeah, I, I, I didn't see saying. him playing the guitar very much. Though. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Yeah, but it's I mean, guitar and muddy waters, man. It must make that thing talk. There would be no Rolling Stones without muddy waters. You know, you could take it back as far as you wanted to. Every instrument has a voice, just like every person has yeah. a voice. Who's huh? your favorite guitarist ever? Just your your go to man. That's my guy. That's who I like to listen to the most or watch the most. Lord have mercy, I couldn't do that. Really? No. Is it, is it no, based I on have, mood? Is it based on? It's they're just different. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. I mean, guitarists are a dime a dozen, and, mm-hmm. and as soon as you set foot in Nashville, you know that. I mean, you go to Austin, you go to Branson, you go to Nashville. It's like, dang, I wish I played something else because everybody here is a great guitar player, and those dudes are washing dishes at washing dishes, day job, yeah. you know, or cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's truly the way it is. Um, no, I couldn't answer that. I mean, I have my favorites that for all different reasons, and some of them might be not what you would expect, you know? Uh, they're not all wizards that shred the fretboard and that kind right. of stuff. So it, it's, hard, it's hard for me to say. So who are you listening to right now? Hmm. I listen, as far as guitar players, um, I listen to Bonamassa, of course, yeah. just because he's incredible. He's awesome. um, you know, the whole reason I started playing guitar was Eric Clapton. Okay, we had we had I think it was a seventy 
73, I'm going to get this wrong. I think it was 73 Brown Ford station wagon. Maybe it was 76, whatever. Anyway, it had an eight track player. Uh, and we had a Clapton eight track. And that sounds so surreal. Layla. And after boom, 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 and after midnight, you talk about two polar songs, not like each other at all. Layla and after midnight. And I would listen to those over and over and over. Just thinking, I don't know what that sound is. I like it. But I like it and I want to be able to do that. So that I started playing when I was seven. And and yeah. that was my inspiration is that dude right there. Don't know who he yeah. is. Yeah. But he had a, he had a way of talking through the guitar too. Like he because he talked, I mean, he spoke to me as well. Well, gently weeps. Yeah, well, I'm, but I mean, I had the guitar at Gently Weeks. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea. I believe what that might have been another guy. But his his version of that though is good. It's better than Harrison's. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know. Well, cool. Let's uh, let's take a break, and we we'll come back. I want to hear like the superior audio ver- version. Yeah, the 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 business side. We've talked about like the how we got started yeah. and, and what you guys are passionate about. Sure. Let's talk about how you take your passion and turn it into a business. Yes, sir. We'll be right back. Let's face it. Shopping for insurance can be time consuming. When it comes to your auto and home insurance needs, make things simple and trust your Allstate experts. They will help you get the coverage that fits your needs while helping you bundle your auto and home. Bundling saves money, sure, but it also saves you time. So you can enjoy the things that matter most even more. Contact Clemson Allstate agent Shane Smith at 864-654-1047 today for a free personalized insurance proposal. Allstate, are you in good hands? We're back with Chad Rawlings, Superior Sound, DBA, Superior Sound, AV. Superior AV. Superior. (laughs) Two beers and I miss it. So, you know, let's talk about exactly what Superior AV is. How you came up with the name, I really want to know, unless it's just by true definition, we are superior. And the consulting piece of that. We, of I have that much hubris, just so you know. Okay. I do. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. So um, it came about from, I actually got my first couple years um, being a part of small legs of tours uh, with Need to Breathe. Uh, as they got to be a part of larger tours Shout for out. national acts. Shout out. That's a local. A little Seth Bolt right there. Yeah, a little Seth Bolt, Baron Bo Reinhardt. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and Joe Stillwell. I'll throw that out because Joe was with them when I, when I was with them. Um, and that turned into some other opportunities outside of them and some invitations, which was great. But, um, you know, I had a family. I had a business in town. Mm-hmm. And... So I ended up, uh, me and a, and a, a fellow who used to be my, be my partner, uh, started a local production company, audio production company, basically to do local work, festivals, and, and, and so forth. And it kind of grew out of that. Um, it, was, it was really, a, we talk about grassroots. It was absolutely yeah. grassroots. We did local support. We did local municipal support. Uh, we got invited to provide for some of the smaller shows that Need did and that, you know, some other local bands did. Um, and so at the time you were doing this at the same time as the music store, or was it separate? At the same time as the music store. So when I started the music store, I, I was exiting a different profession. So I had staffed the music store. So I was required, obviously, to, you know, uh, not necessarily for daily operations, but to make sure the business 
grew and was profitable. Right. And, you know, uh, we had inventory control and all that good business stuff. So um, anyway, so so I got to do that. That was really great. And basically, that my my traveling grew out of that. I got to work um, for Pacific West out of California, out of Bakersfield, California, and do several fly dates with them. And they did a bunch of radio launches for for uh, any new up and coming artists on the West Coast that were coming about, and really big radio pushes. And they would put on really nice concerts that were fifteen to thirty thousand people, which was a lot of fun to do. Sure. Um, but then uh, family needs and local needs, you know, just kind of kept me here, and that's and that's what I did. Uh, after oh eight nine ten theater tours, kind of started taking a taking a dive. Uh, just because of the markets and who was willing to invest in, in, you know, shows like that. And, um, when I, when I decided to close the retail shop in 2013, I took a, a real long, long view of the business as far as production. And at that point, because it was kind of in recovery mode, all the production companies were really in a fast, fast race to the, who, who could provide the most for the, for the least. And I was not willing to have a business model based around that philosophy. So um, I want to provide the best and charge appropriately right. for that. Uh, not too much. So uh, I converted the business. I kind of rolled it into a design engineering uh, business. I had a lot of factory training, manufacturers training, um, audio uh, training, uh, on the road and just practical, you know, what you learn from others as you, you mix next to right. musicians or not musicians, but uh, front of house engineers that, you know, have been on tour for 20 years and, yeah. and, and really worked for the, some of the best people in the business. We, we talk about that a lot where it's like the best way to shorten that learning curve is actually to go work with those folks. You know, oh, and they're great. It's great looking over someone's shoulder. And of course, you know, if you're not, if you're not uh, an irritant, you know, they invite you mm-hmm. to, to know what they know, right? And, which is great, but you know, from a business aspect, I, I had a history of being able to be a good contributor to building businesses, and uh, and so I turned a hundred percent of my efforts into Superior uh, to grow it, to make it as as good as it as I could make it, um, and so we we just moved in. We moved inside is the way I I say it. You know, we we work with government, we work with municipalities. We work with uh, schools. We work with uh, nuclear churches, so churches, so when you houses say you of worship. Work, when you say you work with uh, churches and the, the government offices and entities, give us a give us a stroke of what that looks like. Is this you set up their audio and their visual needs as requested? You build training rooms. We we do all that. So soundproofing. We we do everything from right sound dampening and and that sort of thing but mainly what we do is we actually design control systems automated systems so that no one has to really know what they're doing no one has to know how to use a mixer or you know which microphone to get you just or turn it on anything like that we design systems that basically when you either you walk in the room or you activate the system by plugging in a computer you know we just we it's not really ai but we automate the room so that uh, anyone who wants to use any of the video components, any of the audio components, uh, they can do it with little fuss and little knowledge, and the system Sweet. itself is smart enough to recognize what needs to happen. It's going to have good to quality. The, to the point of if you go into a meeting room and you're new there and you've got to give some presentation, you plug your computer in, 
voila, all the monitors or projector screens now have the instructions. Do this first, do this second, do this third. You do that, Sweet. and now you have a room that does everything you want it to do. Have you ever done a podcast room? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. We can't afford it. Well, we should talk. Jared, I have not. <laughs> but you know what? We could be first. There is new territory to be uh, discovered. With these so anyway, wood ceilings? It, yeah, that kind of stuff, just to be honest, you know, kind of bores everyone to tears. Basically, what we want to do is make AV easy. That's our motto in our business, and we, we take that internally to externally. And that's whether we're doing a system in a, in a large new uh, church that is contemporary and, and really has a lot more instrumentation and uh, aspects to it as far as lighting and video and audio, that sort of thing. We want to make it easy for those people. But we do that by starting on the design phase of how do we make it easy on us? How do we reduce service calls? How do we mm-hmm. reduce... Uh, question marks. How do we deliver a product that when the person who walks in, the volunteer, for instance, uh, which is the admin assistant mm-hmm. in a corporation, uh, who's never seen it before, but has to walk in and get a meeting ready, mm-hmm. to the volunteer on Sunday morning at a church who is doing it out of the goodness of their heart, but are not really audio engineers or yeah. lighting designers, can we can we set things up and design things so that person can walk in and know what to do and be able to actually fired, be successful. Up, no problem. So you truly meet with the uh, client, right, regardless, and sit them down through a design phase. So you're measuring this, but here's what we think you need. Here's why we think you need it. It's not just like, yeah, this is the amount you need to pay, and we'll have it done in three weeks. Like, they know exactly what the... That's right. You can hire anybody who has a cookie cutter. Hey, we've done this before. And it didn't right. turn out too bad, mm-hmm. so we're just going to duplicate that. And that's scalability, and that there's a business aspect excuse me, aspect to that, but it never really addresses the needs of that client. So the reason the initial name was Superior Sound and Consulting is because I felt it valuable to be able to guide someone to good decisions so that the dollar they spent mm-hmm. is still a happy dollar years from now. And when they want to spend another dollar, they say, this is the best dollar we spent. We're calling yeah, we'll call Superior. Them. And and that's worked out pretty well. That's right. And so we were talking off air uh, before we got started. A lot of your business is not because you're building social media campaigns and you're advertising in the newspaper and you're throwing thousands of dollars a year. You do such a good job to your current business that people are so happy with you, they're going to be like, oh, just call Chad. He'll take care of you. Well, that's what we hope. That's what we strive sure. for, you know. Um, but, yes, we've, we've tried outreach. We've tried uh, advertising campaigns and really – uh, what happens is the phone rings and it's become familiar to hear, oh, hey, I was talking with so-and-so. We're doing this at our church or mm-hmm. our company. And they said, you got to call these guys. Gotcha. And so that's really how the how the business has grown. Um, the business started uh, officially in 2005. So we're 18 years old. And uh, yeah, how about that? It doesn't seem like that. Yeah, and and again, we've we've kind of changed. We've changed with what the markets are and and what the better business plan was, and the clients that we want to work with that we can that we can scale them and we can scale at the same time. So you seem like a guy that keeps your finger on the pulse of your industry for sure. You you go to the expos, you know what's coming out. Where do you see the AV business in five years from now? As we are growing faster in technology than as as a society than we probably should be. You know, where is audio visual? What are the, what are some of the key key takeaways you see? It's going to be, be happening. It's in gonna, the next? At some point, it's going to be superior sound, 
AI. AI. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's funny. It's funny that you're asking that question because I actually approach it a little differently. Okay. In the sense that I believe if you do what's right today, it kind of takes care of the future. I yeah, hundred percent. And and so what what I did uh, personally, just the way that I you know my own my own behaviors, um, I never really introduced to the company until about seven years ago, and so I had a mentor um, earlier in my life uh, who was just my best friend, but. He, he did something. He pegged me to the wall one day. He said, uh, do you know your values? Mm. I said, sure, yeah, of course. I know my values. Yeah. And he said, write them down. I'd like to see them. This is going to be good. And, uh, and so I sat down and I filled two pages full of what I thought were values. And I even distilled them, like, you know, tried to really reduce them to these are the important ones. Right. We sat down again, and he goes, those aren't values try again i was like what are you talking about so i went back to the drawing board right we met up a few days later and he goes i don't think you understand what values are he said those are things that you value but those aren't values oh a value is something that applies to every aspect of your life from the time you wake up and open your eyes in the morning to the time you shut your eyes they guide everything that you do that's what a value is and so I went back to the drawing board and struggled and struggled and struggled, and I ended up with three. Mm. And, uh, and that has guided everything that I have done, I have done or do uh, to the best of my ability, and I introduced it to the company. And I said, everybody, this is, this, these are our values. Yeah. Can we get into that? <clears throat> so they are, firstly, do the right thing. Mm-hmm. There's no more to it. Do the right thing. The second is do that the best you are able. Mm -hmm. You can't ask anybody to do better than the best they can do. Yeah. Anybody. Yourself or anybody else. And the third is treat others with dignity and respect. It's that simple. So we do those three things in everything we do from the time we meet with a client, time we discuss their needs, to the time we sit down at the design table, Negotiate a contract, sign a contract, make orders, yeah, you know, do scheduling, all just the practical stuff that you do in a business. But those guide everything, everything that we do, uh, every employee interaction, whether it's disciplinary, whether it's praise, everything we do is guided by that. So I would think that those two pages of stuff you wrote would all fit under one of those three categories, right? So like he was, he was saying, no, these are the little things. I want your values. Well, I'd, I would guess that all every one of those would fit under one of those categories. You discover which ones do and which ones don't. And then that's when you figure out, okay, that's why. Did you at any time question yourself after that? Anyway, oh, that don't even fit in either one of my three categories. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it really cleans, it cleaned my life up quite a bit. Yeah, it, cleaned my, awesome. it, it cleaned my mind up, my thinking up quite a bit. Because literally, I'm not the smartest guy, but I can remember those things. And in every situation I'm in, I can go. Just ask yourself, am I doing the right thing? So, do you have these hanging up in your warehouse? You have your three values yeah. on a banner somewhere. Oh yeah, of course. They're, they're in my office. They're in. A, they're framed in a plaque. And uh, when we have when we have an employee meeting, you know, it's random. But I, you know, randomly, I say, 
what are our values? Yeah. It's, it's your company culture. It is. It's the most important thing. Yeah. It's the best business plan. So your three values, some companies have mission and vision statements. Your three values are, are that's it. That's that, it. That's it. We that's do it. this and that's what we do really good. Yeah, that's it. A technician does, cool. does, does a piece of work. It's really easy. You know how I'm going to judge it. Yeah. Did, did you do the right thing? Yeah. Did you do it the best you could? That's right. And if you interacted with anybody, including yourself, you treat them with dignity, dignity and respect. Uh, how many employees are you? Right now, we're we're very very small. We're a very small crew. We have um, six, six total, six total. Now, do you contract some stuff out in any way? I find with very skilled individuals who are passionate about what they do, you can do the work with four people in the field more than. Uh, 20 people that we show up on on construction sites knock it out and there are literally you know crews of of 40 50 people and 30 of them are standing around yeah. we have the 20 yeah. are doing something. Every, everybody has a job everybody knows what they're supposed to do yeah. i mean we have a powwow and and we get stuff done that's yeah. awesome and so it works out it works out really well. i'd rather i'd rather i'd rather travel lean yeah i mean uh, listen with professionals you, you know if three good people can do what you know 12 average people. Three, average. De three determined people. Yeah. And we are looking to expand, but they have to fit in with that culture. And that makes it difficult. And I, I knew that when I decided to really go values-based, um, that it would, it would, it would uh, lean out. Right. And we did. We, we lost about four employees who, who... Who needed to be lost. Who needed to be lost. That's right. On the flip side of that, though, I think, if I had to guess, I would say that majority of your... Uh, success is ba is because of those things. Like you talking about where it's a grassroots word of mouth. Well, the reason that is is because of those values. It's like, you know, people don't just recommend folks who don't have good values that don't try to do the best work they can. Well, that's why you yeah. get recommended. You and may so, not tell your customer all your values, but they'll see your values. The, yes. the ultimate goal would be to see the values in you. That's right. And in your work. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So the other the other thing is um, the last thing that I ever wanted was to have. I, f I find that that businesses, whether small or great, are divided literally just into two categories. There's the egocentric driven corporation, and then there's the collaborative collaborative uh, corporation. And at no time ever do I care if my name ever gets mentioned. That doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that I have very talented, skilled people who, who get to do what they love to do and get appreciated for doing what they do. And, you know, I, I, love, I love their ideas. Yeah. I want to hear their ideas. Yeah, if, yeah. There's, if we can do something better or differently or if the market's changing and they, they see it, read it, whatever, let's do it. Let's do it. Good for you. Company culture is so important, and yeah. I think that's what most companies Miss. I mean, they, there's a dartboard there, and they're throwing to the right. They I never think even get in the same. The, we're not even focused on the bullseye. They're, they can't even hit the side of the barn. They may have a good product. They may have good service, but company culture is lacking. And I think it's getting better, though, uh, as sure. a whole, because people are starting to realize that, that matters. You know, used to, the old days of corporate, the corporate world was- Get it done. Get it done. At and all and costs. step on whoever you had <laughs> to right. to get it done. Like. Mm -hmm. You know, we've kind of some of these companies, like I, the one I worked for, was kind of old school, right? And they didn't have this new mentality of it matters what how the people feel when they come to work, and you know, yeah. they, you know, if, if we toured a company last week called Ubi O O B E, 
in Greenville, and they are an apparel service company. And they have three buildings on the Reedy River, and so we got the whole tour. And when I say attention to detail, the door handles were pristine. The, the What they named the conference rooms and the meeting rooms all had a story beside it. But the two founders said, we're going to do it different, and it's company culture for us first. And they have created a they tell you, one of the best companies I've, I've ever been. They tell you how they got their of. start? Mm-hmm. The news. We're going to try it, actually. I don't want to put any spoilers yeah, in here. Okay. We're going to try right. and uh, bring them in one day because the, it is an amazing story. That's cool. So company culture is important. Yeah. So, Chad, you got any, like, good quotes? As we starting to end up this Oh, podcast. gosh. Got a good quote you could drop on us? Or a lyric. <laughs> now, there you go. Hey, you know, at any other time I would, but... Uh, It'll be the, Layla. <laughs> with this with this mic in front of me, it's... it's Sure. You know, this is a different world for me. So, uh, give well, you've me, got a face for radio. Put, put a, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I've been working on it for years. You kidding? But, um, but if I had a guitar and a, you know an audience, we, yeah. we we would have a lot of fun. No, that's right. No, um, might have to make that happen too. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm serious. I, I I drop them all the time. I'm an avid reader, and and I love it when somebody else says something that's just really really yeah. potent, but. I don't know that yeah. I can come I, up with listen, something. I would be the same the way. Top of my head. I would be the exact yeah. same way. So, well, you can send it to us, and we'll read it on the next. Podcast. And that's right. There you go. <laughs> so, Chad, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I, it's been a long time since we've caught up, and I'm glad we got to today and hear you know your whole story and where you where you're headed, and we appreciate what you do because we all take advantage of it in this community. There's, there's a few buildings that we can walk in today and know that Chad's been there to put his stamp on AV at most of those, right? So you, you have a good service and a good product, and I love the values. For me, the gold nugget was the values. Yeah, yeah, podcast. 100%. So, Chad, we appreciate it. Tell people where they can find you on social media or phone number or address. We're real simple. Uh, we actually don't have a, a social media campaign or anything like that. Uh, you can find us at sscav.com. That's our website. Uh, office number is 864-973-9793. And a good radio host would say that twice, 864-973-9793. And, uh, Y'all make sure to give us a, a shout out we if would, you call them. I need a jingle with it. That's right. 973. <laughs> and we'd be glad to help help uh anybody who needs help with with av services uh we do only service uh corporate and government and uh and what's your radius and emergency services are you 100 miles within oconee county or less uh we go as far as columbia so about 150 miles sure depends on big columbia charlotte yeah it does it does for sure but um yeah we, we just uh we're happy to be here we've been very blessed and i just want to say that over the over the airwaves that uh, I don't take the credit for it. It's the team that gets all this done. Yeah, and it's the team that's smarter than me. And uh, and uh, we're just fortunate to be able to serve others. Thinking, thinking like that has got you where you're at. Well, it's great. It is, it's leadership 101, right? Especially having a servant's heart and servant leadership. You're out there in the field or have been for sure right up in the attics and the crawl spaces with, <laughs> today <laughs> with everybody else. Today. Uh, Yes, it's uh, easy to follow a leader that will get in the ditch with you. One of our techs got got very sick on the way back from a job yesterday. So uh, I was in lifts and on ladders and and flying speakers this morning along with everybody else. That's awesome. Chad Rawlings with Superior Sound. Chad, one more time, give us that phone number. 
864-973-9793. Chad Rollins, we appreciate your time. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Appreciate, appreciate you.